we can't do enough training. We've got our Toronto Maple Leafs, my beloved hockey team that just fell out of the playoffs again. They're not going to stop training to be better for next year. It's as simple as that. If you want to be better, you got to train. You've got to listen to different voices, different opinions. That's the only way you're going to get better. You can read it in a book yourself, but you've got to talk to people and bounce ideas. And, and that's exactly what you guys are offering, you know, not just Yamaha Dealer Network, the entire motorsports industry, marine industry. So keep doing what you're doing, guys. We, we, we've got to keep uh, being uh, evangelists for you guys to make sure that more of our dealers understand that profitability equals customer satisfaction. We're going to do our best to get new thinking out there. There's going to be discussions centered around growth and new thinking. That's where those great ideas come from, exploring them together nuggets that you can go back and put into your dealership that'll help you make more money this is garage cast Podcast episode number 35. Uh, as always, I have my uh, partner, Sam Dancer on the line with me. Sam, how you doing? Good morning, Tony. I am fantastic. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. I am uh, I am in Aspen for a couple of days doing some work with some of our clients that are uh, up here. So I just got done with some work uh, here. Aspen, uh, the, uh, the industry must be good right now. No kidding, right? Tell me about it. Somebody's winning. Somebody's winning. Who knows? But uh, yeah, I did a little work and uh, getting ready to head back home. Hopefully the steamboat uh, here in a couple of days. There's that big old wildfire in my way. So we'll see how that shakes out. Well, I'm pretty sure you got a nice uh, motorcycle ride in on the front end of that 20 group, didn't you? Absolutely did. So uh, reset my soul and and uh, all is well. Um, how about you? What you been up to? Uh, been working with, uh, Max Matern and, and Schoolie, uh, Jordan Schoolmeister on our team. So our management training academies have been, uh, coming alive in the virtual sense and we're actually getting pretty dang good at the whole virtual setup. So, uh, been a good time. I actually, I'm going to jump back on after our podcast this morning. Hey, so I'm super excited about our guest today. Um, on the line with us is, uh, Pete Smallman too. And Pete, you are the, uh, well, I'm going to let you do your full intro, but you are in control of Yamaha Canada, the great white North above us. Pete, thank you so much for your time and thanks for coming on and thanks for your uh, continued partnership with Garage Composites. Well, thanks very much, guys. It's, uh, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here and, you know, I've known both, uh, both Tony and Sam for a long time. So I'm pretty, uh, pretty excited. I, I'm following your blogs and uh, listening to your podcast. So uh, I'm honored to be on it. So thanks very much for including me. Yeah, well, thanks for your time. You know, so for, for people, uh, you know, in Canada that may not fully know who you are and for the people in the United States, can you kind of, you, you've been with YMC for quite some time now. Can you kind of give us your history, how you got into the industry, a little bit of background about you and just kind of who you are? Motorsports guy uh, started at Yamaha Motor Canada in 1986. So uh, coming up on 35 years, I started off as a parts and accessories rep here at Yamaha Motor Canada. Before that, race motorcycles. I was a big enduro cross-country guy uh, working at a dealership in Kingston, Ontario, which is about four hours from here. Uh, I went back to school. I got a good education uh, focusing around business and marketing. And I started my career in sales, uh, parts accessory sales, and I've had several positions within YMCA over the years. And as of uh, January 2019, 
I became uh, president and managing director of Yamaha Motor Canada and Yamaha Motor Finance uh, Company, uh, which is our finance arm. In addition to that, I also uh, am responsible for the North American snowmobile team. So basically all aspects to the snowmobile business uh, in uh, North America, as well as uh, quite a bit of the, the global involvement as well there. So exciting job, really enjoying myself. Sounds like a lot of free time in between those. My free time is spent earning gas, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm just shocked that there is free time with all that you just rattled off with the finance company and uh, you guys play in the boats and the bikes. And uh, hey, I, I got a question for a former racer, uh, former enduro racer. Yamaha has been crushing the off-road products for decades now. And I'm kind of curious where you stand as a company relative to the environmental issues that are out there. Because, you know, I don't know what you rode, but diehard two-stroke fans are, are wondering, is there a future for two strokes in the watercraft and the, um, you know, in the motorcycle industry, what do you see coming and are you seeing more and more trails shut down or are they opening up because of the move to four strokes? That's a good question. That's a really good question. I think, you know, if I, I just kind of back it up and talk about the off-road YZ side, competition side, Yamaha as a company, as you, as you recall, we were the first one in the game with the four stroke competitive YZ. So we did the YZ F 400 a long time ago. That bike's actually at our CP museum. And I believe Tony, you saw it there. It's pretty cool bike, but um, Yamaha is always looking for that edge that, that makes us different, but uh, our engineers love a challenge. And I think that biggest challenge was taking two strokes and how light they were and the power to weight ratios and everything. And bringing that to the market, but in a four-stroke that's uh, more environmentally friendly, but more efficient in other areas of racing, like the torque and, you know, the gas consumption and things. So, you know, that side of the business, uh, you know, competition side, you know, we've gone very aggressively on the four-stroke, but of course we still have, you know, our two-stroke 250, we have our 125. I think in general, and this is Peter's opinion, not the engineer at Yamaha, that Two strokes in the long run, I don't think they're going to have a lot of legs to them, uh, a lot of life. Because, you know, basically we're seeing the clampdown on emissions all around the world. And the easiest way to beat these is through very clean four-stroke technology. Um, we've seen so many industries changing. Uh, you know, for example, uh, I'll even drop a brand name. I bought a steel four-stroke uh, weed whacker. Just the other day, a cool motor, but you know that even that side of the business is starting to make the change. So, yes, there's still room today in today's environment for the two, but I think in the future, I think you're going to see more alternatives to just two-stroke. You're going to see, you know, even cleaner four-strokes. You may even see things that are hybrid or electric. So um, that you know, I think we're in a pretty neat place, and there's going to be significant change happening here in the future. You know, we, we have the uh, we have the blessing of being able to talk to people in the Marine and the RV and in the in the motorcycle industry, uh, people like you, Pete, and, and they're all saying the same thing is everything's getting cleaner. A lot of things going electric, a lot of things going to battery power. So it, it stands to reason that that's probably where it's going to go as well. You know, I, I want to shift gears really quick to the side by side market. And as you know, side by side market remains, you know, the the largest if not the largest one of the largest segments in the industry and the yxz 
has it been able to keep up with the rest and, and kind of where do you guys want to take it? Where's it going? I'm going to have to speak to the YXZ in the Canadian perspective. So like that, okay. that, that model was built for, you know, those open deserts, uh, you know, open lands in the U.S. side of the business, California, you know, competition, uh, you know, high speed based uh, side by side. In the Canadian environment, it did well for where it was positioned, but we don't have that you know, the deserts that we can or king of the hammers type landscape that we can uh, ride these things. We're trail based. You know, you got to remember in Canada, we have 248,000 kilometers of trails. So we've got a lot of trails. YXZs, you know, they work well on the trail, but I think we're seeing more on the recreational side on side by side, especially in the Canadian uh, aspect of the business. Like we had challenges with the WIDs because a lot of these, uh, uh, a lot of these bridges were built for snowmobiles, so they're not so narrow. So it's not so easy getting across a bridge if you're going to be knocking a tire off trying to make it fit. So uh, uh, the YXZ, for what it is, we've been very successful uh, for that market, but it is a, a much smaller in market from the big picture, that recreational side of the Canadian market. I want to circle back on a follow-up to my first question since Tony just brought that up. Um, I, I had mentioned in that first question, what is it doing to trails, the two-stroke, right? And as you're talking about how you guys have, did you just say 2,048K of trails? Did I get that right? That's correct. All right. So that's like, what, three three miles in miles, if I translate that? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like Canadian <laughs> dollars to you guys. Yeah, that's right. It's like, it's like a quarter or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A loony. Or, I'm just wondering how, uh, if if... Uh, that particular model was designed for the United States. And, you know, we were asking where it fits with the trail system or it maybe doesn't fit as well with the trail system. Talk to me a little bit about that trail system. And are, are you seeing shutdowns because of the move to four strokes or because of some of the products that may be coming over or pushed from the U.S. into your market? Just as a follow up there. Influences on the trail network in, in, in on the Canadian side. What we are seeing are people first, like I think for the most part, I, I hate I hate painting uh, uses of product into that one percent that causes us the biggest pain in the you know where. Yeah. But the biggest challenges for us is losing land access, and when we lose land access, that's when somebody wants to on a snowmobile they want to go boondocking in some farmer's freshly planted field when that farmer has blessed us with, by allowing us to go use the side of his property to get to the next trail. Or in you know in the cases of the you know the dirt and off road side is the guys that want to go ripping down through the trails but they've got open pipes and it gets too noisy so it isn't guys so much a two stroke four stroke in that world it's when it gets noisy or when people you know fall outside of what our you know trail organizations are begging the rider group to do properly so that we're uh, keeping as many trails open as possible. Well, that's a natural transition into the uh, adventure bike market. Actually, um, Pete, you've had me come speak at your dealer show several times, for which I'm truly grateful. The last time you had a Tenere 700 adventure bike behind me on the stage, and I had a hard time focusing on the audience because I was salivating over that particular bike, if you remember that. If I remember right, the first couple of months, the pre-sales on that bike were through the roof. And I'm just kind of curious about the adventure bike market. Are these um, are these dirt bike guys that are that are dialing it back a little bit? Is it is it its own segment, or or is this an offshoot, or maybe even a crossover from the dirt side of the fence? Good question. I think it's a it's a combination of all of them. 
like what we're seeing, uh, especially with the, the Tenere 700, it came in lighter, easier to use, but it has that, that uh, zippy peppy, for lack of a better term. It's got that zip that you'd like in a, a crossover, an adventure sport uh, motorcycle. I personally, I've, I've got my 2018 Super Tenere. I love it to pieces. It is a little heavy. I can, I can say that. Works good. I've got knobbies on it now. But uh, I'm definitely eyeing up the, the Tenere 700. Lighter, flickable. So it's, it's good for me, the old guy baby boomer, that I can still you know, blast along the dirt roads and hit the trail. But it's interesting. My son, who's 29, currently running a WR250 has got eyes all over it because yes, he'd like to uh, spend a little bit more time, you know, driving back and forth from work. So it's not as buzzy, but when he gets out on the trail, he still has a full on dirt bike and he can keep up with his other guys. So I think uh, this side of the business is uh, we're definitely seeing, you know, from the, the, the number side, the segment, there's no question there's growth there. The demand from what we saw in our early deposit uh, program. There's no question. This is uh, definitely a lot of uh, new business and new customers coming into this area of the business. So it, it, it's good. It's good. We're really happy with it. What's good. Maybe it's the reverse then. Maybe this is a segment that brings new people in and then they eventually make their way to either street or dirt. So uh, anything yeah. bringing in new riders, I'm a big fan of. Amen. Hey, Pete, um, let's talk really quick. Let's pivot to COVID-19. How did it affect your supply chain? what did Yamaha Canada do to pivot and are you guys back to full capacity or working towards that end? Um, talk to us a little bit about that. That was something that dramatically affected not only the OEs, but also the dealer base as well. It's probably the biggest challenge our industry, not just Yamaha. We're all in this together, right guys? Our industry faced, um, you know, I think we, we were coming back from a dealer trip at the beginning of March when we landed in Toronto uh, we walked into a pandemic. We realized that, okay, the world's in a pandemic. So uh, on the Yamaha Motor Canada side is, is we took a, you know, on that Sunday night, we took a quick landscape of what's going on in the market and we made the decision to shut our office down. Uh, we needed to protect our employees. I think uh, you guys know the way I am. It's very important to me. Employees come first always. They are, you can't take care of your customers unless you're taking care of your employees. So we made the decision to shut down the office, and uh, uh, we—I was so proud of our team. Within 24 hours, we were we were balanced. The ship was uprighted, and we were selling product, and we were back to normal. We did have some hiccups there. There's no question about it. Our parts distribution was down for a couple of weeks, but that sense uh, keeps going. Uh, our office still remains closed. Uh, I'm actually the only person in here doing this this cast right now uh, because it's uh, there's still a state of emergency in the province that we're in in Canada. But, you know, the important thing is the customer is getting the product. We're servicing our dealers. Things are happening. But there there has been a bit of an echo effect to some of the challenge, some of the change that we we saw right at the beginning of this. We saw the Chinese manufacturers close up. Not so much that we manufacture in China, but some of the components for not just us, but most of the industry, a lot of the smaller components do come from China. So that has had a bit of a ripple effect on our factories in Japan and US and Thailand around the world. So they're open, but unfortunately, um, they don't have all the parts to assemble in Yamaha 
is very keen on quality. They will not ship or build something unless everything is there 100% and done right. So that's, uh, that's hurt us. But the positive, and there's always positives, even in a negative thing like COVID, you know, we've learned to be a better company in how we work. We've learned to communicate better than, better than ever. But we also, you know, it, it came at the right time. Our inventory in the market is the cleanest it has been in years. And that's because of obviously the pent up demand and people not spending money on trips and food and everything else. But at the same time, it, it's a great reset. Like our dealers needed that kind of push to get out of the mess that we are in. I think if we were doing forecasting in March and April, it was looking pretty ugly, guys. But mm. since then, you know, I don't think we're going to hit original budgets. Actually, I know we're not going to hit original budgets. We've lost too much of the season from some of the delays in the production. But at the same time, there's a huge risk to our company, our dealers, and the market if we keep on manufacturing these models at this current model year. Let's clean up what we've got. We've got a ne the next model year is being launched. You know, water vehicles today, matter of fact. And then let's level set and uh, move forward. So um, there's positives and there's negatives, but uh, what a ride. I keep on saying to our team, we're riding the white caps of COVID. Just keep going forward and find the posit positives and uh, make, uh, make things better. That's probably one of the better answers I've heard about COVID, Sam. I'm not sure what you think on that, but I just I just like the concept that not a lot of people have thought that, um, yeah, it was a really great inventory reset. It was a really good way to rid ourselves of some stuff that probably was sitting there dead on the vine and pulling us down like an anchor. So um, I do like the positivity of what you're thinking. So great answer. Yeah. Yeah. Tony, if you remember, I don't know when, but somewhere back in uh april or may we talked about the concept of potholes and uh yeah. this is an opportunity to look at your business and figure out all the potholes that you've been driving your trucks over for how long now and a chance to fill them back in so uh, i'm with you on the optimism that was a great answer pete uh, how about tariffs um have tariffs taken a toll on your products and, and then if i'm a border dealer how do i compete with those tariffs i know last year this was a, a key talking point in a lot of our groups yeah, tariffs are a pain in the you-know-where um, because the challenge is it's our dealers and our consumers have very little influence over this. This is political. I don't get into the political world of things. You know, the challenge with tariffs, um, especially with, you know, the North American free trade and what percentage things are made, um, you know, it's, it's a challenge because on the Canadian side, we pay our federal government a large portion or most of our profit in some of the product groups that we sell. Um, so it's, uh, we are looking at it in different ways right now. Uh, unfortunately, we cannot let uh, tariffs go straight through to the consumer. And when we had boat tariffs last year, uh, when we had ATV tariffs and side-by-side -side tariffs and water vehicle tariffs, a lot of the time, guys, Yamaha Motor Canada has to eat that one. Um, because, you know, we're not going to be selling, you know, product, let alone you have tariff, but put exchange rates on top of that. That really, uh, that really uh, becomes a bit of a challenge for a manufacturer, but also our dealer network. So a lot of times, uh, Yamaha Motor Canada, we, uh, we support our dealers and uh, we'll, we'll eat a lot of that. So Canadian dealers, Pete, 
they tend to play in both, you know, we, we run some 20 clubs for you guys up there and we have, you know, a, a motorcycle only and we have some Marine and, but for, for the most part, Canadians tend to play in both power sports and Marine and you carry both under one roof in the U S that's just, that's, there's a really line of separation there. Why is that? Why, why do you guys carry both? Or I guess, why haven't we caught on to that trend down here? I'm not sure if it's catching on to the trend. I think it's more just the distinct differences between the two markets. Um, I would say it's it, it would go to two things. It would be two attributes. The first one is, is Canada, coast to coast, we're as seasonal as it's going to get. We have four seasons. Sometimes we have very short seasons, but we have winter, spring, fall, uh, summer, and they're very short. And, you know, with the business, some of the dealers need more product groups. They need more, you know, if you get somebody in a rural Saskatchewan or rural Alberta, very difficult to stand to survive on a standalone motorcycle or motorsports dealership. So they need mm-hmm. to spread it out. You know, a lot of times there's, you know, the next dealer may be hundreds of miles, kilometers away from them. So they need to keep that customers captured. Um, more so on the marine side, what is definitely distinctly different is with regards to the packaging. In the United States, a lot of the, 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 the sale of outboards are with the boat builder to the dealer. So, you know, basically it's a finished product. The outboard is shipped with that boat and basically that distribution channel uh, lives with, you know, that brand of boat. We're in Canada, um, you know, because we're four season, we're pretty small. Our rep, our representatives that are in the market, our district sales managers are out there. They're, they're handling all product groups. So we're looking at what is the best thing for that market. So, uh, yes, we work very closely with our boat builder partners. Uh, you know, they're, you know, lifeline for our dealers, but we're more engaged when it comes to setting up training, making sure the market area is right for that dealer and making sure that, they're representing the Yamaha brand the exact same way as a motorcycle or an ATV or somebody on the snowmobile side. So we have a little bit more of a consistency when, you know, a customer drives up to a Yamaha dealership and they see the Yamaha single shingle up on the wall. Uh, our goal is they get that same consistent level of service, regardless if it's a Marine, if it's a hybrid, if it's both products or, or motorsport side. So that's basically the difference is between mm. the two. Got it. Well, and I, and I love that you mentioned training and support, right? Uh, we're, we're huge dealer advocates here at Garage Composite. And uh, when a manufacturer is looking out for the best interest of the uh, dealer relative to representation and should that product be packaged or not, uh, that goes a long way. That, that rolls us into the next question, which is um, you guys kill it in the marine space, particularly with outboard engines. And I looked up last night the XF425 motor, as you guys call it. I call it an engine. You guys call it a motor. 57,000. U.S. dollars per, and I see a bunch of those boats running around, three and four hanging off the back end of them. You, you have a huge market here up there in Canada as a result. Is this due to the OEM contracts or the packaging you were referencing earlier, or is your product literally that much better than everything else out there? It's a combination of both. Um, I, I, don't, I don't like tooting our home too, too hard, but uh, you're right. We're seeing triples. There's quads. Now there's five of them showing up on, on the back. Mm-hmm. So that's crazy. Because you need five. Yeah, well, I want to see one on the back of a pontoon boat. I want to see five on the back of a pontoon boat, please, somebody. I'd be the first guy in line to at least try to get that first payment in until they take it away. But, yeah, yeah <laughs> sign, sign me up. 
Um, yeah, no, the, it, I think, you know, the best, the best way to describe our, our success on the Marine side of the business is just go anywhere where there's salt water. You go anywhere there's salt water, you see an outboard, you know, which brands, which brands are the ones that, you know, are, are the ones that are the preference of the people, the commercial side, the people that use them on a daily basis. And I think that's just proof in the pudding right there. You know, you go to Florida or California or the Caribbean or, or Europe. So um, our, our engineers, when they're developing the testing protocols that the Japanese put into place is unbelievable. And I think, uh, I think, you know, Tony, when you went to Japan, you probably got a little sense of that. You not only see it when products engineers and the testing phases and all the different processes we go before it goes to market, but you also see it in the culture where rules aren't broken. Uh, like, you know, the, if the light's red, nobody's going to be jumping across the road in the middle of the night when there's no cars coming, they'll wait. So it, it's, a, if it's, a, it's a different mindset. And I think that's part of the magic of the quality of the Yamaha product. The trip to the, the factory in Japan was absolutely amazing to see the just how calculated, how surgical it was. It was amazing to watch them start with, uh, you know, just a frame sitting there and we walked the entire thing. And then by the end, they're just sitting there starting them up and, and whatnot. It was it was impressive. So um, I'll tell you what was impressive. The fact that your kids allowed you that time to actually do that while you were over there. Yeah. Oh, they didn't. Uh, they, were, they were trying to disrupt that all at, at every turn that they could. Um, so everyone uh, who plays in the water and the surf knows about Yamaha jet boats. Pete, is that its own category of buyer, simply an entry level product into the marine space? What, what are your thoughts on that? Um, being a jet boat, uh, sport boat owner myself, I've got an old, uh, I got a 2013 242 Limited. Love the boat. It makes boating easier. I think that's the one thing that the on the sport boat side of the business, it just makes it a little bit easier for, you know, shallower water, ease of entry. You've got a lot more space in the back of the boat for the family to bounce around back there. But, you know, for me, uh, I've always been a tiller handle kid growing up. So uh, it was a little tough for me learning, you know, trim. I've got the hang of it now. I can get, uh, let them hang out there pretty good, but it's just hit the throttles and go. You don't have to worry about trim, pull it back and dock the boat nice and easy. So, uh, you know, that side of the business, uh, it, 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 it does very well. And they're very well-built boats. They're beautiful boats. The launch actually for that is uh, happening today. Matter of fact, that and the new uh, Wave Runners are all coming out today, which is pretty exciting. That's awesome. What, what I hear you saying, though, is that that sport boat buyer is its own unique buyer. That's not a stepping stone to start to play in the marine space. That's its own unique uh, individual. Is that true? On the 19 foot, yes, there is a lot of first time buyers. There's a lot of entry. Um, if you look at the ticket prices of some of the larger boats, that's bringing uh, an experienced boater that wants that kind of boat. So uh, it's, a, it's a little balance between the two. I've, I've thrown Pete a lot of either or scenarios today, Tony, and you notice there's a lot of yes is the answer. <laughs> yes, a, a and B. He must have studied that training module called either or versus uh, uh, versus all. Lurking so, you guys all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you guys, let's let's switch gears here because what we're seeing is a massive trend in the power sports industry is coming straight across from the bicycle industry. That is electric bicycles. And as I've said before in this podcast, an electric bicycle is by definition a motor cycle. 
I gave a speech at the inner bike, which is the bicycle annual conference in Reno in 2018. And to my surprise, I walk in the door and every banner was Yamaha. What's in my mind as the power sports uh, entity is all over the bicycle annual convention. And you guys were the key sponsor there. So let's talk e-bikes for a second, where it fits. Where do you see that going? That's the largest growing segment in the bicycle industry. And what are your thoughts on electric bicycles and your prominence there? In Canada, we, we don't market the Yamaha bicycles. And I'm going to say yet. Obviously, we're, we're seeing the trend. There's, there's no question about it. There's a definite boom there. An interesting fact, though, the uh, power-assisted bicycles was invented by Yamaha. That was our, it was called PASS, and it was over 20 years ago. A Japanese domestic market. They're very cool to ride. But uh, yeah, that, that area of the business, there's no question about it. it. It's growing. It's something that the family can do. It's something that will keep baby boomers engaged outdoors longer, which is very key for that segment of the population. Uh, there's no question. Um, it's something that we're looking at. Yamaha Motor Canada, we're, we're definitely looking at e-bike, but I, will, I, I want to challenge our, our sales team and marketing team is show me a new channel. Show me something that we haven't done before. How's a different way to talk to customers? How do we attract customers a different way? And especially from what we've learned from COVID, things are changing in the, in the, in the, in the selling world. We still need the subject matter experts in the dealership. And Sam, I, you've nailed it on the head so many times in your speeches is they're coming to see you. You are the expert. You need to share that with those customers. So how do we get that hybrid where we can do that online, but also have that, uh, that, that Yamaha one touch feeling that you feel like you're, you're part of something when you buy it. So, um, exciting times. There's no question about it. Yeah. Well, well that, that bridge between online and in store is critical. It's part of the omni-channel experience that we've been preaching now for a number of years. So, uh, nice to hear you guys see that and recognize that and move towards it. As you said, kind of beginning of the show, we've had the pleasure of hanging around you for quite some years now, uh, going up and doing some training up at the dealer shows and whatnot. And I've always been struck just by how you're, uh, you're just a regular normal dude, which I, we really appreciate that in somebody that is the, you know, president managing, managing director of Yamaha motor Canada. Um, what's, what's your management style and, and what makes a good leader like yourself? What's your first foot forward? You can never stop learning. You can never stop. Uh, you can never, you, you, you're, you're never perfect. And I'm, I'm blessed because I've got some amazing people that I work with and around me that are, like I said, far smarter than me that always bring a different perspective and a different look on things. For me as a manager and uh, as, as a leader of YMCA, um, what's important to me is that people understand how I make decisions. I don't make decisions by just, you know, you know, ready, shoot, aim. Uh, you know, basically my decisions are made, made from my values and I communicate my values. My values, you know, I'll share my top three and some of them are personal, but, you know, first one, transparency. I'm big on transparency. You know, we need our, our management team, our dealers. They need to know exactly what we're thinking and how we make decisions. Next is accountability. There's no question about it. And you, and I've you know listened to your cast from other leaders around and we're all saying the same thing. Accountability is key. So that's very important. You're going to say something, you're going to do something. If you come up, you know, 
talking with our, you know, our sales team, just don't talk to me about a strategic plan. Show me a plan, like execute it. Talk is cheap, but let's, you know, let's, uh, let's move ahead. And the final, the final one is more, uh, it's for me, honor and trust. Uh, someone once said to me years ago that trust is like water in your hands. Once it starts leaking out, it's gone. So it's not like a three bat thing three, you know, you basically the type of person that you are. So if you're transparent and you're communicating to your staff, but at the same time, put your employees first. And that's very important to me that, you know, our team here at Yam Home Order Canada, uh, we went through COVID, didn't lay a single staff member off. Um, that's not our style. These are our family. We need to respect them because when times are tough, they're there for us and we've got to be there for them when times are tough for them. So that's, you know, if you take care of your employee, they're going to take great care of, of your customer. And then finally, uh, for me, it's just, I, I like things really simple. Um, I'm a user of every product that we sell. I own, I think I'm up to 16 different Yamahas. And to really understand a customer, you got to be a customer. You've got to be that person on Friday that's wigging out because that part's backordered. Now, if I can go and talk to our parts team about that, that'll change the behavior. They need to think from that perspective. Always think from customer. If you're making a decision and it affects the customer and, the, and, and it's a positive for the customer, I've got your back all day long. You can make mistakes all you want. I'm cool. If it's about the customer, we've got you. And I think that's something that's really important. That's a, that's a very long answer for a very short question, but that's, that's my style. And I think you guys have seen us at the dealer show our dealers, they're the ones that are dressing up in costumes at our dealer shows. They're the greatest. <laughs> like, they're my family. I've been a Yamaha 35 years, and I've known them more than I know most of my family. They're great, great people. That's a great answer. And, Tony, I don't know. I, I'm scribbling these down as you were firing them off, Pete. Transparency, accountability, um, honor, and, and, and really trust. As I look at those three and I think about what our peer groups are all about, it is about full transparency with the data, which you have to have trust in the members of the group to have your data on display like that. And we're constantly telling our GMs and owners to, to open the books to your staff. They already think you're making millions of dollars anyhow. Just show them, right? Yeah. Open the books, be fully transparent, and then everybody gets held accountable as a result of all that. So um, that, was a, that was a great answer. Let's talk about something that I have been looking at for years. I am enthralled by this machine the Yamaha Nikon and Pete before, before I go down this road with you for our Marine and bicycle dealers who are listening right now, uh, I'll tell you that the Nikon is based on a 900 C engine from Yamaha. And it's basically uh, it has two wheels up front that scissor as you go around the turns, almost like a reverse trike, but they scissor and it's meant to be a, an Uber sport bike. And I'll tell you what, it gets no love on social media all the press ride them at the pro cycling events. If you watch a tour de France, every press running by the cyclists as they go, they're all on this bike. So clearly it has a place. Um, I don't know why it doesn't fit in more places. It's a total wheelie monster. It hunts down sport bikes. So Pete, I got to know with the Nick and why no love? It's, it's different. It is a cool, cool motorcycle. Like the, 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 the contact patch of those tires, the, the, the confidence that it gives you zipping around corners when it's wet. It's just, it's just bringing a, a different level of technology. 
And, and honestly, if you look at the that two wheel motorcycle side of the business, it's been tried before with three wheels, but it's that's not a motorcycle. That's like mm. that's just like three wheels, like a three wheel car, but it still has that feeling, that liveliness. So this is uh, you know it's it's tip of the iceberg stuff, guys. Like this, the, the Nikon is is a, a showcase of technology. We're, we're, we're showing, okay, we're, we're taking it to the market. We're seeing how it does in the market. What's that next one do? We know that, especially in the motorcycle side of the business, our key customer are the baby boomers. And, you know, the guys that grew up on blue bikes that, you know, transferred over to R1s and then moved to adventure sport. Well, is the, the Nike in the next one for this guy? Or is that somebody coming right from sport wants to get onto something, uh, get onto a, a product like that? So, uh, you know, the way that we see it is uh, it's uh, we're test marketing it. It's a it's a different concept. And of course, being a, you know, a standard two wheel motorcyclist for all our lives, we kind of look at it. OK, this is kind of strange, but our factory is fully committed and they see that there's more models that can be developed in that area. So I'm aware of that. And, you know, that bring it with more technology things like artificial intelligence, who knows? Huh. Uh, but uh, it's, it's a cool bike. It really, it's, it's really neat. Like first time I rode it, um, I have to admit, I'm looking down at the handlebars, I'm going, what on earth is this? <laughs> and honestly, if, if you put one of those dog cones on me that I didn't look down and I started getting, and get out onto the track and you start moving around and you're not looking down, you're all of a sudden thinking, holy I'm going a lot faster than I thought I should be going around here. Then you become, you get it flowing. And, and then that's where that bike really shines. It's, it's a really neat bike. I think everybody's got to try that. You guys got to try it. It's a great bike. It is such a, yeah, I've gone on a test ride on one of those and it is such a unique thing. And not to mention the story behind it, right? With, with Nikon translating into, or Nikon, Nikon. I tell you, there's a whole debate online about how to pronounce that. So I'm glad to hear you say it uh, correctly. And I apologize for calling it a, uh, Nikon. So the Nikon translates into two swords, uh, the, it, it rep, representing the the movement between those two front wheels, like a like a swordmaster's blades. And I, this is just a great story and a great performing motorcycle behind it. So I, I really wish you all the success with that as we try different models that are out there. And I would agree with you: a reverse trike is very different than what this Nikon is. It really does perform like a sport bike, and I think it's super cool. So, Tony, ever try that Nikon? I have not. I'd be eager to get onto it. I here's where you had me sold. It hunts down sport bikes. I like. I like that a lot. That's right. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to try that. So, uh, you know, Pete, I I have a final. Well, I have two final questions. One is just you know, how about a sneak peek of what's on the horizon for YMC? I see a you know electric dirt bike. I see all kinds of different things going on. Anything that you want to tell everybody out there listening? Kind of what Yamaha has in store uh, coming up. As far as new product, like if you get on our corporate website, you, you'll, I think once every two weeks, there's a new product, there's a new invention, there's a new technology coming from the factory side. And that for Yamaha, that's, that's the obligation our, our engineers have for our customers that, that bought into the Yamaha family. I think where we're going to see the most significant change, though, uh, going forward, and again, let's go back and what we've learned from this COVID thing. I think we're going to see major changes in in the way that we market, the way we talk to customers, that whole experience. You know, uh, 
I think we would have got there five to seven years from now, but this kind of jolt that we just went through with COVID has moved it back to now. And we're seeing companies that are adopting, we're seeing companies, and I hear you guys talking to the, the group saying, you know, with the, the your e-commerce and how you need to move forward with that, we still need to understand the balance of that one touch with the customer. That experience will never go away. That's the most important thing for Yamaha is that customer experience. But that next level, how do we make it more easier to do business with Yamaha Motor Canada? And that, for me, is where the excitement is going to be in the next couple of years is as we start rolling out what we've learned in this COVID mess. And then the final question before we let you go, Pete, is what's your favorite type of poutine, man? Traditional seafood, barbecue, what do you got? Uh, okay, Quebec City. Got to go with my friend uh, Steve Balduke there. I don't know what the name of the place is, but they got the really thin French fries. With the, it's traditional, my friend. And I'll warn you right now, if you pronounce it wrong, you could get slapped by the waitress. So just <laughs> heads up. Hey, when you're in Quebec, but, uh, <laughs> Hey guys, really, really appreciate this. I really appreciate this interview. And, you know, if I, if, if I can just one more thing I'd like to build on, it's training. We can't do enough training. We've got our Toronto Maple Leafs, my beloved hockey team that just fell out of the playoffs again. They're not going to stop training to be better for next year. It's as simple as that. If you want to be better, you got to train. You've got to listen to different voices, different opinions. That's the only way you're going to get better. You can read it in a book yourself, but you've got to talk to people and bounce ideas. And and that's exactly what you guys are offering, you know, not just Yamaha Dealer Network, the entire motorsports industry, marine industry. So keep doing what you're doing, guys. We, we, we've got to keep uh, being uh, evangelists for you guys to make sure that more of our dealers understand that profitability equals customer satisfaction, period. Well said. Yeah, thank you for that feedback and the support, Pete. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Pete, for your guidance and your friendship and for all you do for Garage Composites. Um, gang, uh, that was Pete Smallman, too, from Yamaha Canada. That's President of Yamaha Canada. Thanks for stopping by, Pete. And for everybody out there listening, we will see you next week. Have another great week. Cheers. Cheers.